This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it eight eight eight. Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and LL Flooring's Profiles Podcast. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are thrilled to be with you on this beautiful spring day to help you tackle the projects that you want to get done around your house, wherever you live, house, apartment, co-op, condo, yurt, we don't care if you've got a place you call home and you want to decorate it, you want to improve it, you want to make it more functional, more comfortable, more efficient, more fun, you are in the right place because that's what we do and we love to talk with you about your projects. But your job, your first job on that to-do list is to call us. You can do that by calling one eight 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 Money Pit. That's eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Or better yet, just go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Coming up on today's show, if you'd love to have a backyard pool but can't afford it, you don't have time to care for it, or you're just short of backyard space, I've got two words for you, spool pool. We're going to share tips on how you can combine the benefits of a pool and a spa in one very refreshing backyard feature. And spring may have sent a lot of rain your way, but if you've got a rainwater collection system at your house, you can use those downpours to keep your lawn and garden happily hydrated well into the summer's dry spells. We're going to show you how. Plus, are you guys thinking about buying new windows this spring? Well, one factor that has a big impact on cost is the number of panes those windows have. We're going to review double-pane windows versus single-pane versus triple-pane to see which makes the most sense for your house. And we here at Money Pit would love to help you create your best home ever. If you've got a project or two in mind, but you don't know where to start, well, let us help you to create that best home and finish all of those amazing projects. So whether you want a home reno, a condo project, an apartment, whatever it is you're working on, wherever you live, we are standing by to lend a hand. So help yourself first and reach out to us. Go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Let's get started. Leslie, who's first? Heading out to Anchorage, Alaska, we've got David on the line who's looking to do a tiling project. What's going on? Up here, we use a lot of textured walls rather than uh, smooth drywall. It's uh, uh, sprayed on with a texture gun, and then uh, it's knocked down, which means they take a putty knife or whatever and drag it over it. Flatten it a little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, I wanted to to, uh, put some tile on a bathroom wall, and I'm wondering what kind of prep work do I need to do to this textured wall? Uh, it's not a heavy texture. It's a, like I said, it's a knockdown. So right, w- what right. do I need to do first? Could you take a putty knife or a drywall knife and scrape that off with the texture lift off pretty easily? I mean, no, how well adhered no. to that wall is it? Okay, so it's more like an orange peel kind of a thing. It's really adhered well? Yes. So if it's adhered well, what I would do is I, I think you could leave it. I would sand it. 
so that I rough it up a little bit. That will help you get better adhesion from the adhesive for the tile. But as long as you can place that tile and it lays flat on the wall and you can sand the surface a little bit so you get rid of any dirt or grease or, or gloss that's on that wall right now, you should be able to uh, glue that tile on and, and just basically go right on top of it. Okay, well, I've seen uh, you know YouTube videos on scoring at first with a knife and things like that, and I'm just wondering how important that is. That's why I said to sand it. I mean, look, you, you can't make it too rough. So, I mean, you, you can't overdo the roughness. So I, I would, like I said, I would sand it to make sure I had something good for the glue to stick to. Uh, you know, scoring with, with a knife is sort of the same idea, but I think if you had a rough sandpaper, like a, like a really rough sandpaper, like a 60 grit or something like that, and you just hand sanded those spots and just use your own judgment. As long as it's a clean surface that the glue can adhere to, you'll be able to tell. You should be good to go. A random orbit sander and just run over it with a 60 grit would be sufficient? Yeah, I mean, if it's a small area, I just do it by hand, but certainly if you want to put it on a random orbit, that's fine. Yep. Well, it's a wall. Use your uh, breathing protection. Make sure you're wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. Because that dust is yeah. going to get everywhere. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you. You're welcome, Dave. Heading over to New Jersey, we've got Linda on the line who's dealing with some plumbing issues. What's going on? Well, because we had um, installed a new HVAC um, at my okay. parents' house, and I don't go down in their basement that often, but when I took a look at this, it's a sewer pipe, I asked right. the fellow, I said, what is this? <laughs> he said, it was a sewer pipe. And I, <laughs> I said, my God, it looks like um, it's corroded or something. And he said, yeah, and it looks mm-hmm. like it's starting to get a slight crack in it. So um, right. I just was curious to know what kind of a plumber, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't know if they profess in their write-ups, uh, you know, in their advertising that we do sewer, if I should be looking at that yeah. or if it's something yeah. more important. Because there's another problem that besides it going up, that we had um, remodeled the house like 50 years ago. The house is here 73 years. And 50 years ago when my parents redid it in 72, um, it had the plumbing then had to go under a a cement porch in the back. So it looks like right. I see that same pipe going out to the porch, so probably we're going to have to lift that up. And I'm waiting for someone to come. I just wanted to be sure I might be choosing the right person to to be uh, repairing it or replacing it. Well, based on what you said, I'm not, concer- I'm, not, uh, I'm not convinced you need any repairs. So cracks, I'm presuming we're talking about a cast iron right. waste yeah. pipe here. Yeah, and cracks in those pipes are pretty common. I wouldn't panic over that. You can; those can be sealed with oh. something like a silicone caulk. It's it's not going to get; it's not going to be a, a leak issue. It rarely is. I've seen these many, many times in the years, and sometimes the joints between the uh, cast iron pipes they have something in them called oakum, and that gets dried out. They can be repacked, but there's no reason to replace that. The reason it looks so like rough and old is because it is. But cast mm-hmm. iron is incredibly durable, and it doesn't really break, and it rarely leaks. So okay. I, I wouldn't focus on that at all. That you're opening yourself up to a real song and dance from a contractor, especially when you get into tearing out a porch and stuff to replace that pipe. It just it may not be an issue at all. What type of a plumber then would be good to to be able to identify that it just needs a patch? Like what? It, well, I mean, is it leaking? Is it leaking now? No, it's not. It's not doing any of that. But like my concern was here, you spend fifteen thousand to put a whole new. If it starts to do something. Then you can call somebody to fix it. I, if I had a crack that was open in a pipe like that, I would just take some silicone caulk. I'd buy a $5 tube of silicone, and I'd caulk it myself and call it a day. I'd clean it. I'd use a, I'd use a brush, like a stiff uh, brush or a wire brush, to get any loose dust or rust away from it, and then I'd just seal it with silicone. That's it. That's all I do. All right. That sounds good to me. All right. 
Sometimes it's just not that complicated. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Linda. Thanks for calling the Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Got Jim and Callie on the line. We need some help with an insulation project. What's going on at your money pit? We're remodeling a house that was built in the 60s. And uh, okay. so it's got a lot of challenges. And one of the things is and we're getting ready to put siding on. Part of the house has plywood under it because it had some kind of one-by stuff over it, some kind of synthetic stuff. I'm not sure what it is. And the other half has cedar. So uh, we're getting ready to frame some walls. We hit it's some stuff that we need to remove. But you know, one of the things I heard on YouTube, and I didn't know if it was true or not, and I've never heard this before. I know you got to put Tyvex on the outside, but uh, I didn't think you. Somebody said you had to put moisture barrier on the inside, and I've never heard of that. Is that true or not? Have you ever purchased fiberglass insulation and it had a vapor barrier on it where the edges yeah. of it sort of yeah, unfold? The paper. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. That's a vapor barrier. So it's just a it's just a vapor barrier. And if you use raw insulation, sometimes they just it, they add that separately. But if you're going to put the typical insulation on, it's got the vapor barrier attached to it. So that's what that is. All right, appreciate it. All right, now we're heading on over to Ohio with Bobby, who cut down a tree, but is now wondering what's going on with the dirt settling and sidewalk. This sounds like it's got an interesting story, Bobby. What happened to the tree? Uh, well, got a disease in it, and uh, they recommended that I cut it down before it falls on my house. So uh, I had it cut down, and they ground out the stump. And now uh, I was wondering... How long do I have to wait for the uh, dirt to settle, or if I even have to wait to, to extend my sidewalk? Well, I certainly wouldn't want to build a sidewalk on top of all of the ground-out sawdust, because that clearly is going to decay away. I think the best thing to do is to try to add some stone to that stumped area, maybe rake out all of the sawdust and pack it with stone, and then make sure the the new sidewalk uh, is poured over that stone or even embed some of the stone into the concrete, because otherwise you're going to build a sidewalk on top of an unstable piece of soil, and that could crack. Another option there is to have the mason add some reinforcement to the sidewalk and make sure the reinforcement straddles the weak area of the soil 
so that, again, if you do get some additional compression, the sidewalk won't crack and sink in that area. You're wise to raise this question. You do need to work around it, and I think a good quality mason can, can help you do that. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, Bobby. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Terry in Nebraska on the line who's dealing with some woodpeckers. Tell us what's going on. We have a small woodpecker. It's about the size of a sparrow. It's a dark gray or black with white speckles on its chest. And it actually pecks holes in the corners of my uh, chimney on the one-by-fours. And then the guy next door actually redid his chimney with uh, stuff that's similar to stove. Uh, stucco-type stuff, and they actually peck holes in that stuff. And right. he fills them, and they peck more holes. Well, look, there's a couple of things that you can do. One one real easy thing to do is to try to dissuade them from landing on your chimney. You can uh, temporarily, by the way, and this is what my suggestion is, only temporarily, hang tin pie plates on the chimney because the the silvery pie plates kind of drifting in the in the wind totally freak out woodpeckers. Another thing that you can do is you could take a hefty bag, and if you were to cut like a hefty bag, like a black hefty bag, and cut strips of plastic for the same thing, in other words, have them sort of flopping in the breeze around the top of the chimney, that also um, is very intimidating to woodpeckers, and they will leave it alone. And if you do this maybe for a month or so, they might just forget about your house and go attack somebody else's. Fantastic. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, if you'd love to have a backyard pool, but you can't afford it, you don't have the time to care for it, or maybe you're just short of backyard space, we have two words for you, spool pool. Now, a spool pool is a small swimming pool design that's perfect in a lot of ways. It's a small pool that's bigger than a spa or a hot tub, but it's smaller than a traditional in-ground swimming pool, and it fits well within a limited space outdoors or even as an indoor pool. Yeah, and get this now, a spool can be anywhere from 10 to 16 feet long and 6 to 8 feet wide, so it's plenty of room for you to stretch out or just simply cool off on a hot summer day. Spools also give you the option to add special features like high-powered jets, and that's going to give you that luxurious spa feel that those hot tubs are known for. And you can simply switch back to a cool soaking pool for those blistering summer days. And it's easy to switch back and forth, too. With less water, they're going to heat up and cool down much more quickly. Now, the main reason spools are becoming so popular is the fact that they work very well in small spaces. This means if you've got a small backyard, you might actually be able to have a pool, albeit using a small swimming pool design. Now, you might not want to train for the Olympics in this size swimming pool, guys, but you can swim those shorter laps for exercise. And some of them even have those built-in swim jets or an even like an underwater treadmill, so you can really maximize the small space and get the best usage. Now, spools may be smaller than a traditional swimming pool. However, that doesn't always mean the cost to install one is less. Despite their smaller size, a lot of the same costs of building an in-ground swimming pool go into building a spool. But they are, no doubt, a great option to consider for the right space. If you want more insights, we have a great post on this topic on moneypit.com. Just search spool pool. Laura in Pennsylvania needs some help with a lighting question. What can we do for you? Oh, well, my son gave me some compact fluorescent bulbs because he didn't like them. Okay. And I had never used them before, and I thought, well, I'll put them in my little lights I use with timers. Only they all blow out. There's no reason you can't. There's no reason you can't use a compact fluorescent bulb in, a, in an outlet that has a timer. I mean, a timer simply it automatically turns the light switch on or off. So that shouldn't have an effect on uh, on damaging the bulb. Yes, that's what I thought. And I have incandescent bulbs in them now, and they worked 
just fine. Well, maybe he gave you some bum, uh, bum compact fluorescence. I don't know. It's kind of an odd thing for it to happen, too. Compact fluorescence work really well in, in most fixtures that take incandescence. In fact, you can even have them work well in uh, fixtures that are controlled by dimmers. Uh, there are special dimmers today that are that are designed to work with compact fluorescence and with LEDs, where you can adjust the range of the dim, dimming so that it it doesn't ever flicker or go out. So compact fluorescent bulbs are are a great option. I don't know why they're not working for you, but the timer shouldn't have anything to do with it. Okay, well maybe I'll try them again, or I have two left, or I'll try a, you know buy some. Maybe he has an off-brand or something like that. I don't know. Because they should last a really long time, right? They should. And you know what I like better than compact fluorescents are the LED bulbs. Take a look at the Philips LED bulbs. These are... They're very distinctive. They're yellow. They look like bug lights, but they have a very pleasant white light that comes off of them. And uh, they're going to be more expensive than compact fluorescents, but they last like forever. And they're super energy efficient. Okay. I will be happy to. That's a really good idea. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, time to talk windows with Steve. What you working on? Well, I'm not working on it. Lowe's is working on it, and they hired a contractor to come <laughs> in and do it. And right. uh, they, they put the windows out farther. The windows are four-inch uh, vinyls, and they replaced it like a one-inch uh, aluminum, single panes. 
And so they didn't patch the hole that it would fit in. So now, even though it's cocked on the front and the back, there's air leaking from the sides. And so mm-hmm. how I test that is I just turn on the fan in the bathroom and I can go to the farthest window in the house and put it uh, by the sashes or there's a couple holes in the actual the vinyl and uh, air will be sucked through that. And when I turn on mm-hmm. the HVAC, it will it's so strong it'll blow out a candle. So there's yeah, all kinds of heat and humidity mean. coming into the house. Uh, I just had the inspector there and the inspector kind of said that he's just there to look at the screws. And uh, he, he says he liked the caulk job, but that's all he could say. Finally, I guess he went right. back to his boss, and they said they're going to fail it. We'll, we'll yet to see that if, if Lowe's gets to hear that the job failed. Well, look, um, who did who measured who measured the house? Did the contractor measure for the windows? Yeah, they Lowe's ordered? contractor did that. Yeah. Look, this is a problem with their installed sales department. So I think that you need to go back to Lowe's and file a formal complaint about this job. They certainly don't want to have bad work out there. It's pretty clear to me from your description that the windows were not measured correctly because if they were measured correctly, they would have been properly sized. They're always going to be a little smaller than the opening. And then the space between the window and the wall would have been properly filled, usually with an expandable foam sealant that has some flex to it. Not like like there's different types of great stuff. That's a brand that's common. And one is specifically rated for windows and doors because it doesn't like move the window. It doesn't expand so much that it sort of squeezes the window shut. Uh, there's ones that, that's more soft in terms of the foam. But that's only for what's left. There shouldn't be like a huge gap between the windows uh, and that opening. So I think you need to go back to Lowe's and, and file a complaint about this. I don't know if the inspector is going to be your your source for this. Uh, you know, If they fail it, it, it helps you. But I don't think that they're necessarily going to be the determination of, of quality. They just want to make sure it's watertight. It sounds like it may be watertight but not airtight. So I think you need to go back to Lowe's and, and raise the issue, and hopefully they'll address it. Okay, thank you. Ellie in Florida, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I just recently moved to Florida, and um, the house I bought, um, the water softener is broken. Because I believe it's because they had it outside the home. Every other house in my community has them in the garage. And mine, they, for some reason, the water line is on the opposite side of the house than the garage. So it would be, I believe it would be a major thing to have the water line brought from one side of the house to, to the other so I could have it inside. And um, Sears tells me that um, I can have it put outside, but you have to have some kind of protective covering. Lowe's tells me that they don't sell any that go outdoors. And a private um, plumbing company is telling me that uh, they have one that sells the, to put outside specifically. And other people are saying you don't even need one to go, don't even bother the expense. So I don't know what to do. So, first of all, the question is do you need a water softener or not? Right. I mean, I, I looked online and, you know, I see the pros and cons. Right. Well, I mean, if, you have, if you're accustomed to a water softener and you eliminate it, you may find that you don't like that experience. You certainly could bypass the water softener just to see if you like the water. Is the water city water? Well, it's not well water. So does that mean it is city water? I don't know. Yeah, it's city water. If it's city water, you probably do not need a water softener. Well, I, was, I think, no, you know, I don't think it is city water because people in Ocala, I think they told me that they 
that they don't need it. They have city water. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But everybody in this development says you need it. Ellie, the first thing you want to do is figure out if you've got city water. If you do, it's going to be treated. If you've got well water, then you do need probably a water conditioner as well as to have the water tested to make sure that it's safe. And that's something that should be doing, done on an occasional basis. <clears throat> now, um, in terms of the enclosures, given the fact that you're in Florida and we're not concerned about freezing pipes, I wouldn't be too concerned about putting it outside. I wouldn't want to have it uh, enclosed. Now, how do you do that? Well, you either use one that's rated to be outside, and perhaps you're the water treatment company, the, the plumbing company has one that, that has such a certification. It's designed for interior or exterior use, and that's fine. And if not, you're going to have to construct something or have something constructed or um, perhaps pick up a small shed or something of that nature where the equipment could be protected uh, from the weather. But I think the first thing you need to do is determine whether or not you need it and determine the what kind of water supply you have. If it's well water, get it tested. You can even have the hardness tested. You'll know exactly what you're dealing with. And if it's city water, then I think you could try bypassing the system you have right now and see if you like it. I hope that helps you out. Ellie, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, spring may have sent a lot of rain your way, but if you've got a rainwater collection system at your money pit, you can use all of those downpours to keep your lawn and garden very happily hydrated once those summer dry spells hit. Now, Tom, this really is a great way to save water, but how can you make sure that your garden is getting the water it needs without turning on the hose? I mean, this is really what the system is here, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about. So installing a rain barrel is really not that difficult to do. I mean, basically, all you do is create a base, usually out of solid concrete blocks. I recommend three because it's always going to be well-supported. Make sure they're really level because, remember, water is very heavy. You're going to put that rain barrel on top of the blocks with the spigot facing the garden. And then you can attach a water diverter to the downspout elbow. That's going to divert the rainwater from the downspout into the barrel. With a couple of steps like that, you will be ready and good to go. You can even connect it up to a soaker hose with a thick layer of mulch so it sort of drips out a little bit of irrigation to get that water right where it needs to be. Now, I mean, traditionally I've seen rain barrels at the home centers in about 50 gallons or so, but what if you need more water on your property during like a very long dry spell? Well, look, there's a wide variety of rain barrels out there. You know, they start maybe 50 gallons, they go up to hundreds of gallons. There's also collapsible types that are large and flat, and they could fit like under a deck or in a crawl space, for example, and they can hold even seven or 800 gallons of water or more. So I would see if I could get an idea and sort of figure out how many gallons you're really going to need to get you through an average dry spell and use that sort of as your guiding principle for setting up your own rain barrel system. All right, now we've got Chris from Tennessee on the line who just put in a new septic tank and needs some help with the yard work. What can we do for you? Uh, yes, uh, we had some people to come and put our septic tank in about five years ago, and the yard looked great when they got done with it. Now we've got a bunch of sinkholes and a bunch of hills in the backyard, and I just want to know the best way to fix that without messing up the assessment tank and messing up the water lines and stuff. So is the distribution field in the area where all these sinkholes are and this depression? Yes, sir. So you got to be really careful because you don't want to put any heavy equipment over that because you can crush those pipes. So you can add topsoil on top of that, but I wouldn't go over it with anything heavier than a wheelbarrow full of dirt. Okay. And so I would fill them in by hand, and I would rake that out, and I would reseed it. The good news is that it, it will probably grow quite, quite nicely being over the septic field. But I would be careful not to put anything heavy equipment-wise into that area because you can crush the pipes, and then you're going to have a bigger problem. All right. 
Well, thank y'all for y'all question, and I listen to y'all every day, and y'all were great. All right, thanks, Chris. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Marlene in Minnesota is on the line. How can we help you today? We have two uh, aluminum clad factory finished garage doors, dark brown in color, or at least they were. Okay. And they're beginning to fade um, due to oxidation and sun exposure. Is there anything we can do to, to restore that finish? Well, not short of painting them, because if you when you say restore them, I mean, that, that would presume that there's a way to kind of bring back the luster of the original paint finish. But after years of exposure to sun, and especially those darker colors, you do get oxidation where the paint surface is broken down, and you're not going to bring that surface back. The good news is that because they're metal doors, they're fairly straightforward to paint. You want to make sure that you lightly sand the door, and then I would use a metal primer, so a good quality metal priming paint, and then whatever your top coat of paint is going to be beyond that. And if you do that right, because it's metal and it's not organic, so it's not subjected as much to expansion and contraction and certainly not moisture absorption, uh, a good paint job on a metal door like that could easily last 10 years. Okay, well, thank you for your help. You're welcome, Marlene. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey guys, take a look at the windows around your house. Now, most older homes with the original windows are going to have single pane glass. However, a lot of these newer homes or even homes that just have newer windows are going to be much more energy efficient. And you're going to see some of those windows are double pane or even triple pane windows. Yeah, and here's why it matters. Double and triple pane windows are much more energy efficient than single pane windows. Now, the new windows can save hundreds of dollars a year in energy and heating costs, and the number of panes is really a big factor in efficiency, but it's not the only thing that matters. Other window improvements include low-E coatings and inert gas fillings. These characteristics help reduce the window's U-factor, or its ability to resist heat flow from inside your home to the outside in the winter, and vice versa, outside to inside in the summer. The lower the U-factor, the more efficient the window. Now, generally speaking, double-pane windows are pretty much the right selection no matter where you live in the country. But if you live in the far north, that's where triple-pane windows, which are much more expensive, can make some sense and actually give you a good return on investment. Aaron in Louisiana is on the line. How can we help you today? Hi. I have a slab house that's about 35 years old, and it's showing signs of needing to be leveled. But I thought I heard on a previous show of yours that you do not recommend leveling a house, just fix the issues that come up as it needs it. And I didn't know if I heard correctly or not, so I thought I would call and ask about that. Well, tell me, how much of a slope are you noticing throughout the property on the interior of the home? No, we're seeing cracks in the walls, cracks in the ceiling, cracks in the floors. Okay. Now, if you're seeing cracks in the walls and in the ceiling, are they sort of near a doorway or a window, or are they just square in the middle of stuff? Well, there's a a crack in the floor that's square in the middle of the floor. It extends out into a, uh, we have a sliding glass door, and the brick above the sliding glass door is separated. And then we also see it, I also see it in rooms next to the wall, you know, where it's like, the house is shaped like a T, and um, where one part of the top of the T goes into the long part of the T, I can see it separating there against against the, 
you know, in the ceiling. You know, generally, if you see cracks and they're by a door frame or a window, that's just general movement because of the opening in the envelope of the home, you know, being in a window opening or a doorway in an interior wall. Now, if you're seeing it like in the middle of the floor and above a door frame in brick, you might be concerned that there could be some structural issues going on. However, you might want to bring in a structural engineer. You bring in an engineer or even a home inspector, and for a couple of hundred bucks, they'll come in and look at these areas and diagnose specifically what's going on there. Because it could be something structural that could need to be fixed in you know, a way that you can't just do by repairing the crack, or it could just simply be natural settlement of the home over the duration of the home's lifespan, and that's easy easily fixable. But because you have a crack forming in the middle of a floor and that continues to a doorway, I would definitely bring in somebody who's a structural engineer and they can write up a report on it. And the benefit of doing that is that when you do fix this, whatever the problem may be, you are going to have a full written pedigree of what you've done to the problem in the home, how you fixed it, and what everything was done correctly. This way, if you go to sell the home and somebody says, oh, I saw a crack or whatever the situation might be, you can say, actually, this happened, we did this repair, and it's all square. Okay. You know, Aaron, some cracks are really typical wear and tear, so to speak, but this one definitely sounds like you need a pro to check it out. Audrey wrote into Team Money Pit, and she says, I'm getting sudden bursts of very hot water in the middle of my shower. Any idea why this is happening? Yeah, I suspect that you have an older shower valve that is not a pressure differential valve. And what happens with a pressure differential valve is this. You know, the reason you get hot and cold spikes is because somewhere else in the house, another plumbing fixture is using that water. So let's say, for example, you have the temperature of the shower balanced out just right and you're merrily enjoying your nice fresh shower when somebody flushes a toilet in the house or runs the dishwasher or washes dishes in the kitchen sink. Now they're spilling off extra cold water and that mix that you had, which was based on the amount of water and the pressure of water going through the lines, is shifted. Now you have more hot water than cold water and that's why the the shower gets hot and the reverse happens when the shower gets cold. So the solution is a temperature differential valve. And what that does is that maintains the mix regardless of the pressure. So once you set the mix between hot and cold, that doesn't change. The flow may change. It may get stronger or it may get weaker, but the mix doesn't change. And hence, you don't get that term we call shower shock, which can happen when it turns icy cold or red hot. And that will put that problem behind you forever. (laughs) Literally behind you. I always feel like I notice it's super hot when it's like on my backside. I'm like, All right, now we've got one from Margo who writes in, I want to do some spring cleaning, and let's just say I moved into a house with carpeting on all of the second floor bedrooms, and I want to clean them, but I don't know where to start. What are my options? Yeah, well, cleaning your carpet is a good idea for a lot of reasons. Not only does it make them smell a lot better, it eliminates any dirt that's in the carpet, and that is what causes carpets to wear. It's just the dirt, the dirt that grinds on those fibers, breaks them down. It's all that foot traffic. So I've had a lot of experience with steam cleaning. Um, I have a condominium that uh, we bought when we first got married, and now it's been a rental for us. And it's got two rooms. It's, it's all hardwood, but it has two rooms. The bedrooms have carpet. And I'm always amazed at what a great job steam cleaning does to that carpet when we get a new tenant. 
the steam machine just reaches down into that carpet, it loosens up the dirt, and then the vacuum action sort of sucks it back up. Steam cleaner is kind of like a warm, wet, dry vac, right? It pushes the water in, and then you take it back out again. And usually I'll go through those rooms about twice with a steam cleaner. And I usually just rent one. There's no point in buying one because you just need it for, you know, a day or so. And it does an amazing job. And um, that's the only way I've ever cleaned carpets. Some people say that if you use steam, uh, if you have newer carpets, it could ruin a warranty. I guess that's going to be manufacturer-specific. But, you know, if the carpet is a couple or a few years old, I think steam is the best way to handle that. And, you know, Margo, now that you've moved into this house, you know, it is a great opportunity to clean all of those rugs. But since you're moving, you know, maybe you've brought like a larger area rug with you that sort of traveled the distance and has seen a lot of foot traffic in your previous home. Before you set it down to its new spot, you can also have larger area rugs steam cleaned. And depending on the size, you know, the folks that come in to steam clean the wall-to-wall carpet, they can do the larger area rugs on site. Sometimes they take them with them and do a bigger cleaning. It's definitely a good idea to sort of get a fresh start with all of those surfaces now that you're in your new place. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on a beautiful spring day, smack dab in the middle of home improvement season. We hope that your projects are going well. If you've got questions about those projects, remember you can reach out to us 24-7 by going to moneypit.com slash ask or calling at 1-888-MONEYPIT. For now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.